Hi, Food and Body Freedomers. I'm Nadia Felsch, nutritionist and intuitive eating counselor, here to support your food and body freedom. In this episode, I'll be covering what you need to know about intuitive eating, specifically what it is, uh, what it most certainly is not, common misunderstandings of intuitive eating, the research that we have on it, how you might take it further should you choose to, and an invitation from me to you on the topic. Let's go. I'm an intuitive eating counsellor. I have been since 2019. I want to be clear, intuitive eating is not taught, it's not even part of nutrition and dietetics undergraduate degrees. I had no idea, I'd never even heard of this term at the point of studying nutrition. I would love to imagine what the profession would be capable of if it was. Intuitive eating, I find, is a pretty misunderstood term. It's criticized unfairly, and I think there's there's reasons for that. We can get into that. But intuitive eating is also responsible for changing people's lives. I see this every day, empowering them, putting them back in charge of their body. So in this episode, I will share with you what I think you need to know about intuitive eating. Then it's up to you to decide what you might do from there. So I'm here to present you with information and not to persuade you. As always, your body, your call, which not ironically is an underpinning of intuitive eating. So let's start with what intuitive eating is not. Intuitive eating is not a diet. Intuitive eating is not any one particular way of eating. And intuitive eating is not focused on weight as an outcome. Having myself been certified by one of the co-creators of intuitive eating, Evelyn Tribley, and having also interviewed her myself in the past, I can tell you the following from firsthand experience. So Evelyn and Elise Resch, the other co-creator, their reasons for conceiving intuitive eating and researching it over the past few decades was because of what they kept seeing in their own practices as dietitians in the States. So what they're seeing, and I can hear Evelyn's voice right now, over and over again, they would be giving their clients these well-designed meal plans. They would be giving them diet advice as they were seeking weight loss, just like they were educated to do. And over and over again, these clients would come back and say, I failed. You know, I'm too greedy. I'm too lazy. I can't keep up with this. You know, I lost some weight, but I can't keep it off. And very specifically, these clients self-blamed every single time, which really is quite interesting because you're being given a plan by a health professional and you're blaming yourself. Now, I'm not suggesting it was Evelyn and Elise's fault, but it's really interesting that that's what we're setting up. The diet culture influence is so strong that we think it's definitely our fault. It couldn't possibly be biology, but you know. (laughs) So this clear and observable biological failure rate of dieting, the fact that your body does not want to be restricted, the significant negative impacts that intentional weight loss efforts were having on their clients, this is what led to the ideation of intuitive eating. And now onto what intuitive eating actually is. So in the words of Evelyn Tribbley, 
Intuitive eating is a compassionate self-care framework that treats all bodies with dignity and respect. Intuitive eating has 10 principles, and these are intertwined and interconnected. It's really important that I let you know they do not exist alone, and they are not a set of rules to follow. And in in practice, what really happens, or in, in my clinical practice, is these principles are ebbing and flowing. So for instance, whilst working on the third principle, which is called make peace with food, you're probably also at the same time challenging the the first principle, which is rejecting the diet mentality. So, you know, for instance, maybe you're exploring the idea, as a lot of my clients are, allowing yourself permission to eat all foods. That's the third principle, make peace with food. But at the same time, what you're really likely facing is the obstacle about what that means. You know, say say chocolate is something that you're working on allowing yourself permission to eat without guilt. There's a diet mentality that's telling you that that's bad for you, that this is too much sugar, this is not okay, it'll make you fat. So you are likely going to be working with that ongoing rejection of diet mentality, so that's the first principle, whilst working on the third principle, which is permission to eat all foods. So this kind of experience is really common for my clients in my practice, where when we're exploring and focusing on one part of our relationship to food and body, it naturally brings up challenges and realizations of other parts of that relationship as well. So it's really critical, though, that we, you know, we kind of establish up front here that the inherent and underpinning idea of intuitive eating is that you and I we all want to feel good in our bodies, making choices that honor that underpinning idea. And caveat, this will not look the same for each of us. It can't. And that's just as it should be. We are different people. So intuitive eating chooses to center you as the expert of your body because you were born that way and we all were. So in the absence of diet culture, really intuitive eating is simply eating. So on on kind of the topic of being born intuitive, because this is something that comes up a lot with my clients. So whilst we are born intuitive, that means knowing what we need, how much we need and when, this does kind of, this this natural body trust does tend to get interrupted. I, I love it if it didn't get interrupted for you, but it likely did. And if you've ever watched a, a little one, an infant eat, maybe in a, a high chair, What you'll tend to see if they are shown a variety of foods in front of them and and kind of left to their own devices is, first of all, day to day, that might change. You know, one day maybe the carrots are interesting and the next day they're not interested. Maybe the amount that they eat changes. Maybe, which I find really interesting, they physically push food away from them when they're done. They They want to express that they're done or they get really excited exploring it, staring at it, you know, putting it in their mouth. This is all intuition, but it doesn't mean it looks the same way and it doesn't mean that it's a repeated kind of pattern. So I'd love to kind of consider or or have you consider for a moment when I talk about this natural body trust being interrupted, what do you think that interruption is? Well, I wonder if you think it's diet culture because in real life terms, It might be diet culture upheld by fat phobic beliefs that a parent or a caregiver worries, you know, quote unquote, their child is going to be too fat. And so maybe they hold back a second helping of dinner that the child's asking for. 
And, you know, we also grow up in an environment, in a capitalist society that is rewarding more, you know, more this, more that, push this, look a certain way, behave a certain way. We don't tend to reward humans with boundaries, humans with self-care practices, humans who know their own body. You know, everything that we are surrounded by is trying to disconnect us from our body and from our mind. And so, hence, enter the self-care and body connection framework that is intuitive eating. Now, in this episode, I am not going to go through each 10 principles, but I'm going to tell you what my favorite one to teach is. My favorite one to support clients through is principle number two. Now, I got to be honest, it's really hard to choose because they're all fantastic. But the reason I love to teach and watch clients go through principle number two is because I think it lays a practical foundation to their future health and well-being on their own terms. Because it's also where I tend to see tangible wins. You know, clients can can have this quite rapidly and that inspires them to keep going. And that's probably why I love it. So this principle is called honor your hunger. And at its core, uh, the way that I teach it, it's about self-care. It's about prioritizing your needs as a human where eating is actually self-care. And caveat, I'm actually going to be doing a whole episode on self-care in the next episode, episode five. But for now, this this principle, honoring your hunger, is exploring the reality, the undeniable reality that your body always needs food. And becoming in tune and connected to the signals that your body's telling you about that hunger is immensely powerful. You know, I've had clients who've previously told me they felt, you know, quote unquote, obsessed around food, fixated on food, uncontrollable around food. And then working through honoring your hunger as a principle has kind of, I've literally heard it be described as magical because no, no longer are they obsessed and focused on food. They're they're experiencing the beauty and the calm and the peace that is regularly honoring your hunger, you know, and reframing the diet culture version that's taught to us, which is, you know, ignore your hunger, be really hungry, that's successful. So really this principle is embracing the biology of our bodies and enjoying how good that feels. Now, from a practical exploration, if you're interested, uh, there's a few tools that I like to use. And and one of them is a a mindful self-care inventory. Again, remember, I'm going to do a whole episode about this because this is an area that most of us need some love in and it can just give us a sense of what that might be for you. I also love to use tools to get connected to your other body signals. So this is, you know, maybe how thirsty you are, how tired you are you know, needing to wee, because isn't it funny that we don't tend to judge those signals. We don't tend to have a story as much about needing to wee, or at least I hope you don't. You know, it's, it's just diet culture is just maddening. And another aspect here is starting to play around with your own hunger schedule, what that might look like for you. So all of the 10 principles of intuitive eating are integral They are vital when leaving diets behind and recovering from diet culture. There's also no one way to do it. You know, the principles are not designed to be undertaken in order. Um, And actually, I would suggest that they each require ongoing nuanced work. You know, the more you unpack, the more you unlearn and relearn, you just go to another level. 
And, and, you know, because there is no one way to do this, there's also no way you can fail it. That's another common thing that I'm asked about. You know, each time that you focus and connect back to your body, you know, you, you trust it again. That's a win. Each experience, even ones that you might classify as negative, are really an opportunity to discover something, to learn about yourself, to build what I call with clients muscle memory and reinforce for yourself what you want moving forward. Intuitive eating is a practice to be practiced. So I also said that um, earlier on in this episode, intuitive eating is not focused on weight as an outcome. So therefore, the framework would be considered weight neutral. It does not focus on weight. And for more on why this matters, I would recommend you listen. If you haven't already, maybe you want to re-listen to episode two. It's also a a non-diet approach to nutrition because foods are emotionally equivalent, morally equivalent, and in their education and exploration, like I do with clients, I'm not demonizing one over another. I'm empowering and supporting you to find the best balance and the best fit that works for you as an individual. And it's also complementary intuitive eating with the health at every size framework. So now on to what you could expect as an intuitive eater. What outcomes might you anticipate and what's the research saying about all of this? So this is pretty damn good. Listen up. If you're multitasking, come back to me. As an intuitive eater, you can expect to be the expert of your own body, to be in tune with it, to surveil it for the variety of signals it's sending you at all times, but also to trust those signals completely and honor them as needed. You know, to be an intuitive eater is to respect your body, to care for your body because it feels good, because you want to, and to experience less external food concerns. So, you know, what someone else is doing, what they're saying, it just doesn't matter. They can do them and you can do you because you know you. And you also have the self-compassion and the trust to be okay when things don't go to plan because that's life. You know, you are flexible with food and with different situations. You move to a place as an intuitive eater where food is nourishment, it's pleasure, it's nostalgia, it's culture and whatever else you want it to be. But without the extremes, without the restriction, without the stress, fixation and guilt. Sounds pretty good, right? So intuitive eating is for everybody. And if you're wondering how you know if you're ready for it, if you're interested, I have an invitation for you. And the invitation are a few questions to consider. Are you ready to leave dieting and restriction behind? Are you wanting to improve your relationship to food and body? Are you wanting food and body freedom? Whatever your answers, I hope that these prompts help give you some clarity. Intuitive eating has been formally researched since the 90s and observed clinically as well. So a few standouts in this body of evidence and also things that I see with clients are the following outcomes. So we tend to see a more diverse dietary pattern, which is really important. Better balanced blood glucose levels and more stable cholesterol levels. So that's more of the uh, blood test situation. We also tend to see a lower incidence of both binge eating and emotional eating frequency. Increased body appreciation and a more positive body image, which is fantastic. Body weight stability, which is also important for health. And 
just the best part of it all, increased well-being, a better quality of life. And this is what I see with clients where I support them and respect them as humans to connect with their own bodies means they eat more regularly because they're not so fearful and afraid and feeling so much shame. And they have less rigidity in their diets, which results in better balanced blood sugar levels, more diverse dietary patterns, and less likelihood of binge eating. All by starting at the point of support and respect and honoring them as the experts of their body. And over and over, I see clients practicing intuitive eating and literally walking into a whole new experience of their life. One where they have body appreciation and care where life is bigger and grander than what the hell I'm eating as the focus. So now for three common criticisms or misunderstandings of intuitive eating in no particular order. So number one is that intuitive eating is anti-weight loss, or rather it's anti-people who want to lose weight. So I would say no. Intuitive eating is not anti any person that wants to lose weight because it respects body autonomy. But weight loss is really going to work or a weight loss focus is going to be opposing connecting to your body because what weight loss does or or focus on weight loss I should say is it takes us away from what our body's telling us and we have this goal maybe we've weighed ourselves maybe we're tracking calories you do you but that is not intuitive eating that's not responding to your body's needs that's ignoring your body's needs So it is not anti any human that wants to do whatever they want to do, but it's also not aligned with intentional weight loss. And it does reject the idea that anybody needs to do that or that that's better or healthier because it's simply not true. Instead, intuitive eating acknowledges body diversity. It celebrates body diversity whilst also acknowledging care and respect for the body. Instead of just recommending intentional weight loss always to everyone and not considering the the real harm. So your body, your call, but a heads up. If you do see a professional or anyone selling you intentional weight loss and intuitive eating or branded as that, run the hell away without hesitation. Okay, so the second criticism is that intuitive eating is anti-health. You know, this idea that, hey, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want, that's so unhealthy. Wow, a lot to unpack here. I'm I'm just going to kind of start with the fact that, yes, intuitive eating says you, you are the boss, so you do whatever you need to, which may mean eating, you know, whatever you want, whenever you want, of course. That is correct. I nor any certified intuitive eating provider is here to police your food choices. You are a person. But let's just kind of, um, you know, pull it back here. What this kind of criticism is saying is that I'm, you know, by me encouraging people to find a flexible dietary pattern that suits their budget, their cooking skills, their culture, their preferences and their needs – that that's anti-health says everything about the toxicity of diet culture. And maybe you too feel, even after listening and learning from this episode, maybe you have some fear. Maybe you're thinking, hey, if I'm allowed to eat foods all day, you know, whatever I want, I'm just going to eat chocolate and pizza. I hear you and your fear is so valid, but that's not a failing of you as an individual or of intuitive eating and instead speaks to the power of diet culture 
where the idea that we would mostly choose foods that make our bodies run well is so absurd an idea that we can't imagine it. We can't imagine trusting ourselves. We can't accept that this is our default. Remember, that's the core idea of intuitive eating, that we do want to feel good. And that, that, that really, if we kind of look at the other aspect here, the anti-health message, health itself isn't moral. You don't owe it to anybody and it won't look or exist in the same way for each of us. But it does include a healthy relationship to food and body where food isn't feared, where things aren't off limits just because that's not healthy. You know, diet culture has one idea that we all need to follow and it's wrong. So the third misunderstanding of intuitive eating is thinking that there is a destination we're trying to get to. There's a way to do this. There's an outcome for everybody. So I like to teach the fundamentals of intuitive eating and incorporate them into the work that I do with my clients with an objective of flexibility. And this is a skill to cultivate because in reality, how can things always remain the same? Our hunger changes all the time. Just as one example, the foods that we have access to might change. The things we like might change. You know, knowing how to best fuel and nourish yourself with what you've got. Maybe you're staying at a hotel, you're traveling. Yeah, remember that. When you get sick, when your hunger levels are less, maybe you're extra busy. Maybe you're just overcooking. Maybe you've decided to train for a marathon. So you need to know what works for you. You won't always get it right. I don't. No one does. There is no perfect. There is no get to. Remember, it's a practice. In a future episode, I'm going to explore some of the common obstacles that I see in the process of becoming a more intuitive eater based on clinical experiences that I have. But for now, if you're interested to learn more, I recommend a few things. So first of all, head to my Instagram if you don't already follow me at Nadia Felsch, I post daily tips, which can be really helpful as you work through this process on your own, especially. I also recommend three books on the topic and they're in no particular order. The first is called Intuitive Eating, written by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. They are the creators of this life-changing work. The second book is Anti-Diet. I've mentioned it in other episodes by Christy Harrison. And the third is Just Eat It by Laura Thomas. These are all certified intuitive eating counselors. They are all either dietitians or nutritionists, so they really understand food and human nutrition. They each have a different way of communicating. All the books are fantastic. I really couldn't pick a favorite. Um, these are really powerful places for you to start or maybe to continue your journey. And I've listed all of them with links in the episode post on my website, which is NadiaFelsch.com. Now, lastly, on resources, I really want to let you know that you do not need to do this alone. Intuitive eating can be really hard. It's an up and down process like anything. It's not in a straight line. It doesn't just get great in one day. And if you can access professional support, please do it. I'd like to leave you now with one final invitation. What might your life look and feel like without worrying about food and what you're meant to eat? What might you do with all of that time, energy, and money? Sit with that. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed the episode and you gained value from it, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. 
This is going such a long way to helping normalize the message and get it out there. And if you want to keep the convo going, come and join my Food and Body Freedom community on Facebook where everyone is welcome. See you next time. If you'd like to get in touch with me, learn about my current group program offerings and client availability, the best way to do that is via my website, www.nadiafelsch.com. You'll also find my Facebook group, Food and Body Freedom, and on Instagram and TikTok, my handle is at Nadia Felsch. 